We're continuing our series on uh, preparing for the last days. And last week we talked about having strength for the last days. Um, you know, God wants to give us his divine strength to overcome. Um, and that strength is developed as we spend time in his presence. We seek his face. We allow him also to bring us to that place of weakness because when we're weak, then we can become strong. And I was just actually, I was kind of considering that thought of weakness versus strength and that, that uh, striking contrast that only when we are weak can we become strong. And, you know, we admire people's strengths and abilities, you know, when someone has a strength and we're like, man, that's must have took something to develop that, um, you know, or, or an ability is kind of in the same category. It's something we respect and admire, even try to replicate in our lives. But when, you, when it comes to the kingdom of God, in reality, the greatest people in eternity in his kingdom are those who were able to meet God in their weakness, right? They first allowed God to bring them to that place of weakness, but then they met God in that. And in our weakness, he can exchange that for his strength. And you know that's kind of such a profound thought. The only way we're going to become strong in God is when we allow him to make us weak and we meet him in that. And exchange takes place. Allow God's spirit to work through us because when that happens, there's no limit really to to what he can do through us because it's his strength. It's not ours. We've gotten out of the way because we're weak. A weak person can't really do much, can they? But when we're flowing in God's strength, we can. But this week, I want to look at a, at a kind of a, a similar uh, aspect of strength, but but coming from a, a different source or a specific source, um, it's another way we can develop the strength of the Lord. And that strength can be found through rejoicing in God and the joy of the Lord. There's that verse, you know, we're going to read the verse we always think of when it talks about strength and joy. Um, but there's that strength that is released from the Spirit of God through joy and rejoicing. You know, it can become as an anointing. Um, it can be developed. But one of the primary ways we can receive strength to overcome is, is through rejoicing and having a rejoicing spirit. Of course, we think about Nehemiah chapter 8, right? And, uh, we, and you know, when you think of the background of Nehemiah, it was one of those times in Israel's history where they had gone down. They would go up and then go down as far as following God and being faithful to, to him and his ways. And here they were, they, they had come down and they were on the upward cycle, but they had, they had far to go. Um, you know, it, it seems that they had kind of lost the knowledge of God and a familiarity with his law and his ways and so forth. And, and so Nehemiah and Ezra, they brought the book of the law and they read it to everyone. And we can kind of tell they weren't very familiar because there was a shock when they read it and they realized how far off they had gotten from God and his ways. They realized they hadn't been following God and that, you know, there was sin in their lives. And, and so there was repentance and sorrow when they heard this. 
And, but look at what Nehemiah said in verse chapter, Nehemiah 8 and verse 10. He said, all right, go your way. Eat and drink and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Don't be sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, the context kind of matters in that. Don't be sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, there is a very right place for sorrow, for godly sorrows. Paul talks about sorrow unto repentance. You know, when, when sin is revealed in our lives, there is a time we, should, we need to sorrow, you know, and cry out to God for cleansing. And, and we don't push that away, but yet we also recognize that's not a place we can live. That's not where God wants us to live because the purpose of repentance is to bring us back into joy, back into his presence. And so, you know, we, we need to allow repentance and a godly sorrow to work within us, but then it can't remain. It has to be replaced with joy. If we remain there, Proverbs 17, 22 gives us a good idea. A merry heart does us good like a medicine. A merry heart is a joyful heart, but a broken spirit just dries up the bones. Joy is healing. It's strength. But sorrow, or continually dwelling in that place of sorrow, will dry up our spirit. Just as in the natural, you know, certain diseases can affect our bones and become brittle and dried out, so to speak. But that can happen in the spiritual realm. That's why we need to get that work of repentance done, you know, get that over with, so to speak, allow God to cleanse us. Then he can bring us into joy because the joy is the medicine that brings us life. There was something about this feast in Nehemiah 8 that they were celebrating. It was the feast of ingathering. Um, you know, Israel had, had turned from the Lord for many years. They had been in captivity for 70 years. Uh, but they were just coming back to the ways of the Lord. And, and it, this was the seventh month. It was the Feast of Trumpets and then Tabernacles. And it was like there was a trumpet call to, to go on with God. And then Tabernacles was the Feast of the Harvest. And the harvest was the most joyful time because you were bringing in all that yummy food from the field, and, you know, the grains and, and so forth. And uh, the fruits and, and everything at that time of harvest. You know, the Lord wanted to restore the joy of his people through following his ways. And, and so the word of the Lord was, don't sorrow, instead rejoice. And let the joy of the Lord become your strength. You know, the early church experienced the strength of God in revival, but that was the, the Pentecost the Feast of Pentecost. They experienced it in a measure. And, you know, the last day church, it, you know, it speaks of being associated with that Feast of Tabernacles, that seven-day feast. God wants to bring his church into the great harvest of joy. But, it, you know, we don't have to wait for, thankfully, the last days and the church to come into it because his calling is to bring us in to joy and the joy of the Lord will be our strength. Lord, help us. We need the joy of the Lord more and more in our days. Now, 
just in considering that, it's it it is good to have a positive outlook. Like, okay, I'm just going to be joyful in the Lord, right? But how do we come to that? Because there's, in one sense, joy is a feeling. We all have felt joy. We've all had times where you know maybe even intense joy of just feeling so good and so forth. But we also know that that does not last, does not stay with us all the time. Because joy is a feeling, but it is also a destination. And that's something to keep before us. You know, God wants to fill our hearts with joy. He wants us to experience his presence. Uh, As we sing and rejoice, his joy can flood our soul. And we long for that. We live for that, for for feeling the, the joy of the Lord. We're continually to seek that and walk in it. But there are times... And we recognize, right, the truth of the situation is we're, we don't always feel it necessarily in our soul, sometimes even in our spirit when we're troubled and we're going through the storms and, and the difficulties. In fact, sometimes it feels like the opposite, the lack of it. And we say, Lord, help. You know, one time I, I was uh, doing a, a study on the word soul in the Psalms. And the majority of time, the psalmist was talking about his soul and his soul being in turmoil. And these were the psalmists. These were godly, you know, ones who followed the Lord and were writing, expressing themselves by the Holy Spirit because it's recorded in Scripture and it's his word. And here they are saying, my soul is in turmoil. Now, that does not sound like an expression of the joy of the Lord. But it sounds like someone who is crying out, Lord, I need a touch of the joy of the Lord. I need to come into your joy. I need to, to, to come into what you have for me. I need deliverance. There's a crying out to God to come into his joy for deliverance. And, and so we can understand that the saints often experienced this you know, trouble in their soul. And, and in one sense, that's encouraging for us because... We are there a lot of the times, right? We're there. We can identify, you know, of, of any portion of Scripture that we can identify it with the most. It's really the Psalms because they're pouring out their heart to God. And we identify with that because we often find ourselves in similar circumstances. And so sometimes we can have that struggle and say, well, I don't really feel like the joy of the Lord right now. Am I not spiritual enough? Because... Isn't everyone, isn't the, aren't the spiritual saints supposed to be walking in the joy of the Lord 24-7 all day long? Well, the, the psalmist, sometimes they, they weren't in that place, but they were believing that God would bring them there. Our enemy likes to bring trouble to our soul so he can make accusations and say, look, you don't have the joy of the Lord. I guess you're not spiritual. You ever felt that accusation or had those thoughts? But as I said before, joy is a feeling, but in reality, the true fulfillment of the joy of the Lord is a destination. I want to confirm that by what reading in Hebrews chapter 12 of what it says about Jesus, because even the, the, the author of our faith had times when he was not feeling joy in his soul. 
In Hebrews 12 and verse 2, it says, We are to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, right? So he had a joy, but it was before him like a destination. And before he got to that joy, what happened? He endured the cross, despising the shame, and then he got to that destination of sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy of the Lord in the fullness of it is a joy that is set before us. There is a tremendous joy, or, or there was a, you know, speaking of past tense of the, the Lord Jesus, there was a tremendous joy set before him, the joy of pleasing his Father, the joy of, of fulfilling his will, hitting his mark in life, which was the cross, and dying for us that we could be saved. He fulfilled his eternal plan, saving mankind from their sins, but raising up many sons and daughters to glory, as it says. But at the time, I'm not sure how much joy he was feeling going through that. The joy was before him as a destination, but there were times when he, he was in turmoil in his soul. And so there is a joy that is before us. Now, it's not that God wants us to be miserable in our journey, but there are seasons we go through where there is turmoil. But yet, there is something that God is placing before us if we can have eyes to see what he has for us. It's a joy of fulfilling God's plan, of doing his will and pleasing his heart. And as we endure and as we continue and we persevere, we set our face like a flint to follow the Lord Jesus to the things that would try to discourage us and turn us to the right or to the left. But instead, we keep our eyes upon the Lord and the joy that is set before us. Now, there will be times when we go through experiences, our soul is troubled, but we can say, Lord, I'm going through the same, well, similar agony like you did. But I believe there is a joy set before me that I can enter into if I will endure to the end. And so to obtain joy and to enter into the fullness of that joy, there needs to be, we need to have a right perspective. We need to have those spiritual eyes to see what ultimately matters in the kingdom of God. Like in the parable of the treasure. Remember that parable in Matthew 13 where he said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. It was buried. Someone said, I'm going to bury my treasure so that it's safe. And someone was maybe doing a little work digging in a field. He didn't own it, but he was maybe he was a laborer or a neighbor or something. And he was digging in that field and he found it. He found the treasure. It took him by surprise, but he found that and it says when he found it, he buried it again. He hid it. But then it says, and for joy, he went and sold all that he had to buy that field so that he would own that treasure and it would be his. There's, there's kind of, that's one verse and there's, but there's a lot packed into that verse. This man finds a treasure that he does not yet own fully. 
but there's a joy in the anticipation of what he does. He knows he's got to sell everything. That's probably not a fun prospect. Well, I'm going to sell all my worldly possessions and get rid of everything so that I could obtain this. But that joy was that thought of going back and obtaining that treasure. That was before him. And he was willing to sell it all, which is a picture of, of how we can, as believers can enter into that joy. We have to do what it takes. We have to sell whatever is uh, valuable in our lives or that we hold a value so that we can get what's valuable in the kingdom of God. And it kind of brings us back to that thought of meeting God in our weaknesses. Our weaknesses or our, that place of weakness is selling all and giving up our all so that we can obtain that treasure in him. But the man went and he went forward with joy in anticipating what he would obtain in buying that field. And you know that's the price we pay in following Christ we have to walk that straight and narrow, confining pathway. We have to buy the truth and sell it not. We pick up our cross and follow him. But in doing so, there's a great joy that is set before us that, you know, that we will sit down in glory with Christ, with him. But in that experience, we want to make sure we're not just focusing on the sorrow and the price. Because in Nehemiah 8, it says, don't remain sorrowful. We are, we are called, our calling in life is to focus on the joy and to rejoice. Don't remain sorrowful because the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. As we have eyes or as we develop eyes to see what God has for us and his treasure and his plan, and we rejoice in that, it gives us strength, strength to overcome, strength to continue and to go on. And in that, there's a, a very practical response we need to give. I'm just looking at, at a few verses for this because in order to enter into joy, we have to give that offering of praise unto God. Psalm 29 and verse 1 it says, give unto the Lord, O you mighty. Give unto the Lord the glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory. Do his name. And here's our, our true motivation in praise. Yes, it is to receive joy and strength, but really we are called to give that offering of rejoicing to God because he is do it. He's worthy of it. He deserves it. He's just that good of a Savior and Lord. It can be hard to praise the Lord when we're troubled, you know, when our soul is in trouble. It's easy to praise God when everything's going good. But when you're in the furnace and it's not so easy, it takes a lot of effort. You know, you have to put your circumstances aside. You have to put your concerns and troubles aside. You have to bypass your mind and sometimes even your soul because you don't feel like rejoicing and you give the sacrifice of praise. And that sacrifice is costly, but I think that's the kind of praise that is most precious to the Lord and that he values the most. And it does something. 
that kind of praise does something. Psalm 27, a Psalm of David in uh, verse six, he says, and now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about. Therefore, I will offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing. I will sing praises unto the Lord. David was in difficulty. His soul was troubled, but he had a faith and a belief in God. And so he said, I will. I will sing praises unto God because he knew that would be effective. That would be powerful. That would release strength from the Lord to continue and strength to overcome and to defeat his enemies. And, you know, we're considering praise in the light of strength. And we realize that, that praise is a weapon. It's one of the weapons that we can use to fight our enemies. Another Psalm, Psalm 149 and verse 5. It says, let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people. Let the high praises of God be in our mouth in order to fight our spiritual battles, to fight what is opposing us from following God and doing his will because praise is effective. And there have been times when Sarah and I, we've faced battles and, and, you know, things opposing us or, you know, whether it's in our spirits or in the natural, maybe wrong thoughts or wrong emotions. And we found it so effective to just start praising the Lord, just start praising his name and worshiping him and, and to come and use that as a weapon against spiritual oppression. And, and there's even been times where we've done that. And then we open the door and said, okay, oppression, leave our house we close the door and then we just go on and God releases strength as we do that. Actually, maybe some of you heard this, but I heard there was a story of a man who was having spiritual problems. And when I say spiritual problems, demonic problems. And, and one time someone heard him talking, but it wasn't him. It was the, the power in him. And, and he started to say, we hate it when Christians praise and clap their hands, you know, praising the Lord, and they clap their hands to the Lord. They said, each clap feels like we're getting punched. Maybe we need to praise the clap, clap to the Lord more because our enemies feel it. You know, the, that opposition that would oppose us from going on with God, they feel that. And so there's something there that we can learn that praise is powerful, that praising and worshiping the Lord is, is, is a tool we want, need to use more and more because there's a strength that God wants to develop in the joy of the Lord and in praising him. And so the Lord has a strength for his people in the last days. He wants to bring his church into the feast of joy, the feast of tabernacles, you know, I, I just wonder how that's going to manifest in the days to come when you think about that, right? Pentecost, and you think of the early church and how powerful God moved in the early church, and Tabernacles was seven times that. They celebrated that one day. Well, they celebrate Tabernacles seven days, and it's the Feast of Joy, what God is going to do in his church to make her strong in the last days. I I greatly look forward to seeing how he's going to do that. But yet, we don't need to wait for the last days 
because God has a joy that he wants to give to us in this day, in this hour, in our lives, in our spirits to help us to overcome and to triumph. And that joy will be our strength. And it comes as we offer the sacrifice of praise and we rejoice in him, but also as we cry out, Lord, give me your perspective in your kingdom. But that there is a joy that he has set before us that will help us to endure so that we can sit down with him in his kingdom. We need to obtain a vision of the treasure that he has for us in eternity of dwelling with him. If we'll live for him, then when we get to heaven, he'll say, now you can know the fullness, enter in to the joy of your Lord. Father, we just thank you that your plan and your purpose is so good. Lord, we thank you for the example you shared with us while you were on earth, that, that you endured such uh, torment and such shame and, and such difficulty, but you did it with a joy that was set before you and you, found, you said that it was worth it to do that. And Lord, we pray that you would give us those same eyes to see, Lord, eternity and to see, oh God, the plan and the purpose you have for us and that you would, Lord, God, cause us to be a rejoicing people Lord, that our hearts would, would instantly go to rejoicing in you and praising your name. Oh, may we know a fresh portion of your joy, we ask, oh God. Do this work within us and let your joy become our strength more and more, we ask. Give us those eyes to see you, to see that joy set before us, we pray. We thank you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.